0: Like Dave said, my name is Josh. Um, I work here at Ethos with our house churches and our student ministry, Ethos students for discipling, middle school, and high school students. And I'm excited to be sharing a word from Mark chapter one, verse 21 through 34. That's page 699 if you're using one of our gray Bibles. If you need one, there's some on the bar and communion tables throughout the room. on page 699. Um, the last couple of weeks, we've been starting a series in Mark where we are just looking at the life of Jesus through um, verse by verse in Mark. And so the first week we saw John the Baptist and how his whole life was about preparing people's hearts for Jesus. And then the next week we saw Jesus's baptism where he received a public identity as God's son, as loved and well pleased. And then last week we saw Jesus calling some people to follow him and literally rearrange their entire lives to follow him. And, And this week we're gonna get a picture of Jesus in action, I'm really excited about As we get started, um, I'm just gonna read verse 21 through 34 of Mark chapter one. Again, that's page 699 if you're using one of ours. It says, they went to Capernaum and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the holy one of God. Be quiet," said Jesus sternly. "Come out of him." And the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out with him, came out of him with a shriek, with a shriek. The people were also amazed that they asked each other, "What is this, a new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him." News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. And as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went up to her, took her by the hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases, He also drove out demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. This is the word of God out of Mark chapter 1, verse 21 through 34. Have you ever had your expectations of someone drastically change because you experienced them in action? Um, I think about when my wife and I, Molly, first started dating. Um, I was a sophomore in college and she was a freshman. When I uh, was good friends with Molly for a long time. And the more I got to hang out with her, the more I realized, man, this girl is incredibly good looking. She loves Jesus. She's a lot of fun. She's kind, generous. And she's like, I really think, you know, I've got great expectations for her. So I was thinking, so I build up some confidence and I go to Molly and I ask her out on a date to which she turns me down. And I was frustrated and bummed out. I was like, come on. And so I let some time go by and I'm like, well, I'm gonna give this another shot. And so I come to Molly again and ask her out on another date and she turns me down again. And I'm just like defeated at this point and frustrated, and um, that's at the end of the school year. So I go to do a church internship in Memphis that summer, and I'm just kind of frustrated by it, but I'm like, I'm just gonna let it rest. And come back in August, and I start hanging out with Molly again, and I say, I've got to give this one last shot. And so I take her, I ask her on a date, and she reluctantly says yes, and I kind of force her into it. That sounds bad. I didn't force her into it. <laughs> <laughs> But she said yes, kind of reluctantly, and she was telling all of her friends it was not a date, but you know, we dressed up nicely, I paid for dinner, we had fun, it was a date. Um, I think it goes great. She was like, Meh, it was okay. And we were still friends and she wasn't as interested and didn't have the expectations that I had for it. But somehow um, I had bought tickets to see one of my favorite people on the planet, Jerry Seinfeld, perform in Memphis. And I was saying, Molly, you've gotta come with me to come see this, and somehow I talk her into it and she drives with me to Memphis and we see Seinfeld and we grab dinner and we spend some of the night with some friends and just, she gets to see more of who I am because she's spending an extended period of time with me. And something about that trip to Memphis and back and experiencing people that I love and things that I love, she saw something different in me based on my action that drastically changed her expectations of what we could be. And we ended up getting married and it was really awesome. Um, (laughs) And so in Mark chapter one, the reason I tell that story is that all of these people were expecting something from Jesus. They didn't know what it was, they didn't actually even know it was Jesus, but they were all expecting a Messiah to come and deliver them because they were currently under Roman occupation and they were frustrated with the rules, the restrictions and the taxes and just the things that went on with that. And so they were frustrated and they'd grown up all their life hearing from their prophets that there was gonna be somebody called the Messiah that was gonna deliver them and restore them as a people. And they were frustrated and looking, but Jesus comes, and, and Mark's going to say that Jesus was that Messiah, is what we believe. And, but he's going to do it in a way where he's not going to tell us much of what Jesus says at all. We're just going to get a picture in this story of Jesus' actions and what that does to these people's expectations. So let's start in verse 21 of Mark chapter 1. It says, They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. Um, Capernaum was just a small fishing town on the north shore of Galilee. If you remember from last week, we talked about just kind of the fishing towns and stuff like that. It's just a a small town filled with um, Jewish people. And they, on Saturdays, would have the Sabbath, which they would take a break from their work. They would spend time with their families and they would go to the synagogue to hear the Torah read and be together as a people. And the synagogue was essentially their church that they had on Saturdays, like I just said. And they would come and they would gather and listen to the Torah, which was the first five books of our Bible, as well as some oral tradition and some different things that their ancestors passed down. And this was an incredibly important moment each week in their, in their time because it informed both their faith and their culture, taught them how to worship God and different traditions that they had, as well as how to run their business, how to treat their neighbor, how to deal with communal conflict, and all those things happen in this moment. So it was a big deal. And... Uh, Many of the people believed that their hardships that they were experiencing were because of their inability to keep this law, but it was just something that they would do regularly. And it wasn't uncommon to have somebody like a scribe or a teacher come and unpack the Torah for them because a lot of them couldn't read and it was a lot of information, but this scribes would stand up each week and teach this. And one day Jesus comes in and starts teaching in verse 22, we'll continue on. It says, the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. And immediately as Jesus starts teaching, everyone begins to notice that there's something different about this guy. There's something we can't place. He's teaching with authority unlike the normal teachers that we have, which is not a diss towards them because they had great respect for these people so much so that they would, as a scribe would walk in, everybody would stand up and wait for that person to go take a seat. They had such respect for these men who had devoted their entire lives to studying the Torah and knowing what was going on, to be able to share it. But they're all saying that there's something different about this teacher. And I find it fascinating, the guy Mark, who's telling this story, doesn't tell us a thing that Jesus says, but it's almost as if he's saying, if you know who the teacher is, you're gonna wanna listen to what he's teaching said there's something about his actions and who he is that's worth following. And I think we all do this. Um, I was thinking back when Molly and I um, got married about 10 months ago, we got a lot of marital advice. You get a lot of advice when you have big life changes. Like I've heard that about having kids and when you leave for college and all that stuff, people love to share advice. And so it was from all over the spectrum, almost every conversation we had when we were getting married is, well, you should do this or you should not do this. You need to read this book. we got suggested like 90 books that we should read and all these different things that you should go on. And we found it comical how much marital advice we were getting from people. And Molly and I kind of came up with this phrase or got it from somewhere, it's like, consider the source. Because there's, a, there's some marriages that we really want to emulate, and then there's a lot that, that we don't. It's like when someone would come and tell us something about marriage and we've seen them constantly dogging their spouse or complaining about life or being frustrated all the time, we're just like, we, you know, we'd be kind to them, but we would kind of like disregard that information. It's when the people who've been married for years and years and had relationships full of joy, and they were excited about the years to come, and they were excited about getting to know each other more, those are the people we wanna listen to. And much like Mark here is saying that we're not gonna get anything of what Jesus is saying, but based off his actions, you're gonna tell that this is somebody worth listening to. And I love that, because everyone recognizes this. They don't know what to do, but they're wondering what's different about this guy And then the story starts getting crazy and validating what they're believing in verse 23. It says, Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly, come out of him. And the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. And we're let in on this um, fact that this guy shows up and in him is revealed that he has a demon. And um, it starts speaking out against Jesus. And it says, Jesus, like, I know you're from Nazareth. I know your purpose is here to come to destroy us demons. And then also, you're the Holy One of God. So he says who, where Jesus is from, he says his purpose, and then who he actually is. And so it's kind of this weird thing, and I was wondering what is going on. And there's actually a belief in this time that in the spiritual world, if you were to name something, it would be an attempt to gain power over it, an attempt to dismantle what Jesus was trying to do, but a love in Jesus in six simple words just shuts this demon up. He says, be quiet and come out of him. And immediately in obedience, the darkness or the demonic in this guy is completely expelled from him. And it comes out with a loud shriek and it's this crazy thing, but it's proving that Jesus, not of just what he says, he's not somebody that they're just thinking he has authority, he's a great teacher, but he's also authority over darkness, it's this great picture. But I really find it interesting that this guy's darkness was only exposed when the presence of Jesus came in. Um, It doesn't say when he entered the synagogue, he could have been, it sounds like he's a part of it regularly, it's just a man in their synagogue. But when Jesus, the light, walks into the darkness in this guy's life, it is immediately exposed and dealt with. It's this crazy picture that we see all throughout scripture and just in life that darkness cannot stand in the presence of light. Light will always overcome it. And Jesus is proving that here in his actions. And I've noticed this in my own life because the more Jesus becomes part of my life, the more I realize the darkness that's in it and the more I wanna get rid of it, the more empty it is, the more um, fleeting it is and the more frustrating it is sometimes to see that there's still darkness, but every time that it is exposed or confessed in the presence of Jesus, it is dealt with. I was thinking about that this week um, because it gets really difficult when we come to know Jesus more and more comes in our life, the more we realize, man, there's just some stuff that we've got to deal with. So I was preparing this teaching this week, talking about darkness and light. On Wednesday afternoon, the Lord just really exposed some stuff in my heart that He was not the king over that needed to be dealt with. And I was like, oh, I'm teaching about this, you know, what's going on? And I remember Molly came and picked me up and we're gonna go lead a student house church for high school students. And I just have this weight on my heart that, man, I've got to share what's going on. And so I start a really difficult conversation with my wife and saying, hey, here's some things in my life that I am not proud of that need to be dealt with. And, it's, and it was tough and it was difficult. It was painful and embarrassing at times to have this exposed, but it led to my joy and liberation. It led to my peace that Jesus was able to say, when I brought it out to the light, he was able to deal with it. And it's so what he does every time that we, we do something is when we share the light comes in and conquers that. And I love this picture because, and what's crazy is I understand why it comes out with a shriek and a violent shake, because darkness does not wanna leave voluntarily. This is an involuntary leaving, but Jesus is more powerful than it. And I was just thinking, sometimes when we have stuff that we need to deal with in our life we need to bring to Jesus, sometimes it holds me back because I don't wanna deal with it, because I know that sometimes it's gonna be difficult, sometimes it's gonna be stressful or painful, but every single time, just like this man, it's exposed in Jesus' presence and it's dealt with accordingly because of Jesus. And I love this because it is a beautiful and difficult invitation, but it always leads to our joy. And I love what continues happening in verse 27. It says, The people were all so amazed and they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. And we just have this picture of the people who got to witness in public this guy's darkness being expelled from him and revealed for what it was and healed that they cannot be quiet about it. So they know this is not just a normal Saturday at the synagogue and they go home and they can't stop talking about it. They don't go back to their normal post-Sabbath rituals, but they start sharing with their neighbors and their friends and families, did you see what happened? And it changes everything about it to where that the news spread over the whole town in that region. It's this beautiful picture of people who witnessed Jesus do something in public and then went and shared it with all their friends and family. And we're led in what happens immediately after this. In verse 29, Jesus and his disciples, it says, as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. And Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, so they immediately told Jesus about her. So we went up to her, he took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them." And in this instant, immediately following this, you know, I'd imagine Jesus would probably be somewhat tired from dealing with all these things and teaching, but he comes home, and I love this, is that we get another picture of who Jesus is based off his actions. He shows up at the doorstep and they greet him and says, Simon says his mother-in-law is sick in bed with a fever. And Jesus walks to her, and I love this, he doesn't just do something miraculous, he doesn't say this huge pronouncement, he reaches down and grabs her hand and helps her up and heals her. I think it's amazing that the God of the universe wrapped in human flesh comes down and he touches the sick. Just like this symb- symbolism that Jesus is near us, even in our sickness, even in our darkness, like he doesn't just deal from it from a distance, he comes and he meets it. It's this beautiful picture of what happens when Jesus comes into this person's life. And I think it also gives us a picture of the types of people that Jesus was good news to. Just in this story so far, we have Jesus being good news news in public in the synagogue, Jesus being good news in private in someone's home, being good news to a woman, being good news to a man, the educated and the uneducated, the sick and the demon-possessed, and this broad range of people. And then we find out what happens, or even before that, I love this woman's response. she encounters the living God and she is healed from her fever. And I love this, that she immediately starts living out the message that Jesus has been teaching. If you back up a few verses to verse 15 that was taught on last week, Jesus's message was simple at this time. He was saying, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And everything about his ministry is that God has shown up in the neighborhood and things get better when God's there. And I love this, he shows up in this woman's house and this woman who experiences the goodness of Jesus immediately starts emulating that. I love that because she gets up and she, we're told um, at the end of 31 that she, the fever left her and she began to wait on them. Which this word wait can also be translated serve or minister. And so it's not a derogatory term towards this woman, but it's actually an elevating one because Jesus, in a few chapters, in Mark chapter 10, will say that he didn't come to be served, but to serve. Or literally, he didn't come to be ministered to, but he came to minister. And I love that that this woman right here is beginning her ministry from being healed by Jesus. And it's this beautiful picture of her response to what is going on. And, And I love this because just as Jesus is showing in this story that he's not just a man of words, but he's also a man of action, this woman immediately shows she's not just a woman of thankfulness and gratitude, but she immediately starts acting on what Jesus has done in her life. And I love this as we continue on, we find out a little bit more about their day in 32 through 34. It says that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, and he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. And something amazing is unfolding in this town. The whole town has gone home, and we're told after sunset, which by their law and their culture would mean that they were allowed to leave their home after going to the synagogue and stuff, after sunset, they've been waiting all day and they go and tell all their friends who are sick, all the hurting and demon-possessed, and they tell them that there's somebody in town that they need to meet. And they bring all their friends and all these people to Jesus in this home that they're surrounded around the home, literally the whole town, full of people who are, who are broken, hurting, and afflicted. And they bring their friends to Jesus because everyone understood that Jesus was good news for them. And I love this because this all happened because one man, was his darkness was exposed and everybody else benefited by watching Jesus liberate this guy. And as I've been reading this, I'm thinking, what did they tell their friends about Jesus in order to get them to come with him? And I was thinking about that for us. Like, what do we tell our friends and neighbors and family about Jesus in order to get them to come with us to Jesus? And I think we tell them our stories of liberation. I think we tell them our stories of being healed. And I think we tell them why Jesus is good news to us. And I love this because these people had a real encounter with Jesus in action, and it changed the rest of their day and I'm sure the rest of their life because they carried that news with their friends and brought them to Jesus. And I love this picture because we get to share our stories. And just kind of thinking about this full circle, I don't know if you came this morning with any expectations of Jesus, or if you had high expectations, or poor expectations, or anywhere in between, it's like, but a love with this picture and mark forces us to do is, without really anything that Jesus says, is just a picture. Here's who Jesus actually is through his actions. He's a a teacher. He's one with the Father. He is a liberator of darkness, and every every problem he he can heal and restore, and he heals the sick, and I love this picture. He's so much more than just a teacher. He lives this out. I love that, and so we're, we're looking at this picture of who Jesus actually is, realizing that he's good news for all people and good news for us, and that his kingdom has actually come near and is present. And just thinking through all the characters in this story, I know that I've identified with each and every one at some point, but just thinking about it, where you find yourself in this story, maybe we're like the man who needs to be liberated from darkness. Maybe we don't even know we're in darkness, but we just know that things aren't working out the way that we want to, and we're, we're stumbling in ways that we don't want to, or whatever pain or affliction that you're dealing with. I love that Jesus meets everybody exactly where they are and has the power and the ability to not leave them there. I love that. And so the kind of the, question, or the, the charge for you today is bring it to Jesus. And if you don't know what that looks like, talk to somebody who, in this room who does, or you can talk to people at the respond banner, but are we like the man who needs to be liberated? Jesus is good news for you. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, who have been liberated by him, the the question is, are our lives reflecting, or are our lives, uh, not our lives, are our lives um, clarifying who Jesus is to those around us? Are we acting like people who have been liberated, for people who have been healed? Are we sharing that and responding like this woman the mother-in-law does? And also, will we be like the crowds who do whatever it takes to share Jesus and his good news with all of our friends and family and neighbors who don't know him. I love this picture. One man is healed in public and it changes an entire city. Nobody can stop talking about it. They know Jesus is good news and they do whatever they can to bring their people to Jesus. And so, just a minute, we're gonna take communion. And for those of you who aren't Christians, as I just said a, a second ago, Jesus is good news for you. If you don't know what that looks like, you want to find out more. I encourage you to ask somebody why Jesus is good news for them. Listen to their story of liberation, their story of healing, or why Jesus is good news to them. For those of us who are Christians, there's two things. The first, the second, or the question I just asked a minute ago, are our actions clarifying who Jesus is to those around us? are Are our actions clarifying who Jesus is to those around us? And the second thing is don't be scared to share where the darkness still is in your life. Jesus is capable of feeling it. It always leads to our liberation and our joy. And when we share that in our house churches or in our friend groups or people that we're walking with, look at what happens in this story. An entire city is changed and is blessed by one man's heart being exposed and dealt with by Jesus, and it changes an entire city. So we're gonna pray and then take communion.